Welcome back to another episode of Inside Illini Football, episode 31 here. I'm News Gazette Sports Editor Matt Daniels. Pleased to be joined by, I don't know, do we have a title for you, Scott Ritchie? I don't think I have like an official title. Um, so writer of a lot of words and stories in the News Gazette. Yeah, uh, you're cross-beat writer. <laughs> I, I've got multiple beats. Football okay. being one of them right now. Yeah, I think today, it's Thursday, I'll have written about basketball, football, volleyball, and then I'm covering a soccer game. So, Sounds, And you got to cover a high school football game on Friday night, too. Jack of all trades. Uh, that he is, uh, I guess, quick programming note for the avid listeners of this podcast. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Uh, maybe we can add Robin Ritchie to the mix now, too. Scott will be primarily handling Illinois football coverage uh, this upcoming season for the News Gazette while Bob Osmussen continues to recover, and he's doing well. Glad to report that. Feel free, if you want to, uh, send well wishes to Bob. Feel free to email him, uh, Osmussen, A-S-M-U-S-S-E-N, at news-gazette.com. I know he's very appreciative of all the well wishes he's received from people. Um but Kyle Likas, who's been on this podcast multiple times in the past and has helped cover Illinois football these last eight months of the Brett BM layer with high school sports starting back in full swing here in East Central Illinois. He's devoting oodles of his time to that very important beat here in in our community. So Scott is hopping on board to help out. We're also going to have uh, assist this season from Gavin Good, a uh, recent U of I grad who's handled the beat before, and uh, Bob hoping we'll be back at some point writing Colin is always able to step in as well I'm chipping in as well it's kind of a collaborative effort ar- around here yeah and I've just added another podcast to my hey, there you go. my weekly schedule so you'll hear me Mondays on, on inside, inside the line of basketball. basketball selfless self-promotion shameless even um and then now for inside the line of football yeah we're recording this on a uh late Thursday afternoon as the world is ending here in Champaign because it is a monsoon outside of our offices here on Devonshire Drive in Champaign. Kickoff between the Illini and Cornhuskers is in less than 48 hours. It's not supposed to rain like this on Saturday. It's supposed to be hot for a 12.20 p.m. kickoff. I like how they had noon kickoff for that game for, I don't know, a year, and then in the last three to four days it's 12.20 because you got to well, I mean, get all the pregame programming in on Games never actually start, like, on the hour. That's true. Um but I mean, it's it's twelve twenty, and it's not like it's a an eight thirteen p.m. kickoff, which uh, well, it's coming for the Maryland game. I would that imagine. is probably true. So it'll just be it'll give you know fans twenty extra minutes to tailgate before they you know head into Memorial Stadium because they can come back. Got a really cool photo running on the front page of Friday's News Gazette sports section. Uh, thanks to the efforts of Cassie Arner over at the DIA, she was able to unlock the gates to Grange Grove. And we got a photo of the gates opening, kind of signify that, come on in, college football's back. And it really is back Saturday here in Champaign. We, Illinois, Nebraska is the first kickoff of the 2021 season in the, and I'm putting air quotes around this, the week zero game. Just call it week one. That's a big pet peeve of mine. I feel like I'm Bob now where it's like, it's not a bye week. It's an off week. So... Illinois will have a week zero game and, and a week one game and two bye weeks. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there, Scott. Uh, so we're going to dive into uh, Illinois, Nebraska uh, here on this podcast. Scott's going to lead the way because he knows a heck of a, lore, a lot more about it than than I do. But uh, 
Scott, just uh, how how important is this game? Is this the make or break game for the Scott Frost era in Lincoln? Is this the let's keep the honeymoon rolling phase for Brett Bielema? Fresh off in a live appearance on Sports Center this afternoon. Pretty cool to see that. Got a shout out to Papa Dells in the question. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of both, I think. I'm, I'm, I don't think Scott Frost will be left on the tarmac uh, at Willard if somehow you know, Nebraska loses in this week zero opener. Trev Alberts just closes the door to the plane on the, the runway there. Yeah, I don't think they'll pull the lane Kiffin. Uh, but <laughs> it's a it's a fairly important game for Nebraska because the Scott Frost era uh, has really gotten off to a pretty poor start. It's a little frosty. Yeah, and not only are they not – you know, maybe winning a lot of football games now. They've got the NCAA breathing down their neck because the, you know, misuse of analysts. Which, I mean, explain to me what an analyst is. It just if you don't follow college football, and I don't think you have any idea who all of these extra staffers on college football coaching staffs are. Um, so not a lot's going right in Lincoln. So a win in Champaign would be, you know, a pretty big thing just to start the season off on. Uh, a better note football-wise on the field compared to kind of what's been happening off the field. But for Illinois, it's just as important because Brett Bielma over the last eight months has really said and done all of the right things. And he's even mentioned before, you know, kind of alluding to the, the honeymoon period because they haven't played a game yet. And saying and doing all the right things will remain important, but... You know, less important once wins and losses are on the line. And I mean, that's what Illinois faces this weekend. And it's a, I think a winnable game for the Illini. And, you know, they have the college football audience, the national audience. The stage is theirs to do something with it. And, you know, for a program sort of mired in three decades of mostly finishing at at or near the bottom of the Big Ten, you know, if they can – Maybe you know, win this opener against a divisional opponent, play good football. I mean, it's just a, a step, a small one, but still a step in the right direction. Yeah, a lot, uh, a lot will be made of this game. It's the only one in in week zero with two Power Five teams, uh, so a lot of attention's going to be placed on it as well. And Brett Bielema's really, I think, made himself ever since he started here. I think that's one obvious stark contrast as thunder rolls in here into champagne if you can hear that in the background at all our producer our award-winning producer ed bond will probably hit a few buttons and make that go away uh hopefully he doesn't make this podcast go away uh he has all the power after all uh but he's made himself he's put himself out there he's kind of made himself a man of the people and he's done that this week here in champagne he had a a Zoom call earlier uh, this afternoon, which he's going to do every Thursday with the local media. Uh, he spoke uh, Monday afternoon at Memorial Stadium in his weekly press conference. He made the radio rounds on Wednesday, appearing on shows in St. Louis and Chicago, and then host had uh, his first in-person show at, at Papa Dell's in Champaign uh, on Wednesday night. Mentioned the Sports Center appearance. Friday afternoon, he's set to speak at the quarterback club luncheon at the Holiday Inn in here in Champaign, along with Josh Whitman. Uh, so you can't discount his efforts for <clears throat> pushing the message of Illinois. And even on his Sports Center appearance, he had the big hat on, you know, with the family, which is, you know, the I L L in the middle. 
It's, there's gonna be a ton of kids that grow up spelling in, family wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they're Illinois fans. That's, that's a distinct possibility. Uh, but he he's put himself out there, and it'll be to me it'll be you're curious to see what it's like if Illinois falls flat on Saturday against Nebraska and struggles. What it's like next week at all? But as he's alluded to as well, men are made in moments of adversity, and I'm paraphrasing what he said here uh, multiple times. But he, he understands the ambassador role that comes with being a Big Ten college football coach. Which is something I'm not sure Lovey Smith ever embraced. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, that's a a difference. But a loss Saturday to Nebraska won't be the end of the world, but uh, I think Illinois has to at least be competitive. Because so many times over the last five years, just the program was not competitive, and particularly in the the Big Ten. Um, So I think that's, that's a low bar to clear but a bar that has to be cleared, I think, starting in week zero. It's going to be hot on Saturday, Scott. I know you'll be up in the air-conditioned press box, so you won't have to feel – you won't have to suffer like the fans are that are going to be – oh, I said fans. Fans are going to be at the game. Yeah, That's more, exciting. More than just you know, the players, <laughs> family, and, like, maybe extended family. You know? yeah. I'd be curious to see what the, the turnout is. I think there's, you know, competing factors. Mm-hmm. Uh, on one side, you've got the fact that you know fans have gone a year without being able to see you know, the football team in person, and you know, it's the fact that it's a new coach, and you know hope springs eternal when mm-hmm. there's change. Uh, on the other side, is it's going to be a million degrees, and you know the, the pandemic is still going on. I think that I'm not sure how big of an impact that will make, but it's not you know a non-zero uh, impact. So be curious to see what you know the the attendance is. Um, what you know, the announced attendance will be like he always is, probably higher than the mm-hmm. yeah. butts in the seats. But I think there'll be you know, a pretty good crowd for the opener. I took one weather-related class in college at Eastern Illinois University. Go Big Blue! Uh, and the only one of the only things I remember from that class is our professor telling us that at noon every day, that's when it's the hottest. Uh, it's going to be the hottest of the day because the sun is closest to the earth, I guess, at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I did not take this class, right. but uh, sure. So it's going to be really hot on Saturday is what I'm saying, and I, I I feel for those fans, the diehards that'll be on the east balcony or in the horseshoe uh, where they're just kind of, let's just hope Illinois puts forth, like you said, a competitive effort. Uh, we'll make our picks for the game uh, on Saturday later on it to to wrap up the show. So make sure I don't forget to make our picks before we wrap up the show. We've teased it. We probably should do exactly. it. Um, another cool point for this weekend, uh, the 2001 Illinois football team is coming back for a reunion. They're going to be honored uh, at the game. Had the chance to catch up with Kurt Kittner earlier this morning. Look for a, a column in Saturday's News Gazette uh, about that. I believe he said they're having like a, a dinner Friday night at the stadium, uh, they'll be recognized at some point during the game, and he thinks this might be the biggest, even with the pandemic still going on and uh, things like that, he thinks this will be the biggest reunion they've had. They had one in 2011 for the 10-year reunion of that team, and again in 2016, the 15-year reunion, but he joked that 
as the years pass, as to be expected, uh, when you go to events like this, the plus ones that come with you become plus fives. Uh, he's bringing his three kids and his wife from the suburbs. They're going to make their drive down Friday afternoon and, and be in town to enjoy the festivities. Uh, he mentioned a funny story to me too, during the kind of the early days of the pandemic, BTN was, uh, re-airing a lot of old games and he recorded one of them, uh, one in Illinois game when he played in and recorded it. And after he got done with working, he went down to the basement and was like, Hey kids, Let's watch the game. That's dad. And they sat there for like a play or two, and then they went back to playing with their Legos. They don't really, they don't really care that their dad's one of the best quarterbacks in, in Illinois history. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be ex- eager to see how many uh, returnees from that 2001 Big Ten title team, the last Illinois team to win a Big Ten title. It's been 20 years. It's crazy. Yeah, and you know, before the game, I know a couple, I think two hours before the mm-hmm. game, uh, they'll be in Grange Grove signing autographs, so yep. you get a chance to, you know, see mm-hmm. maybe some of your favorite former Illini. But um, it's twenty years, and it's a long time. But it's two decades. It's it really is two decades, uh, and I mean that's it's one it's one of the few bright spots for Illinois football. Again, like I said, in the last at least in our years. lifetimes, basically so we, in our yeah, lifetimes, in our yeah. life, we're in our mid thirties. Uh, uh, so. Just talking with uh, Bart Miller, the Illinois offensive line coach. Fired up, right? After you talk to Bart Miller, you want to go hit a brick wall. Yeah, but he was uh, in high school you know, in the, the Chicago suburbs mm-hmm. you know, when Illinois was making its run to the Big Ten Championship. And you know, he you know, kind of said that you know, everyone sort of had Illinois fever mm-hmm. that year. Um, and it's something this coaching staff is – I mean, that's what they want is to – reignite that type of interest in the program uh, and starting in the state. And then that's been you know, kind of evident in how they've recruited, you know, especially in the class of 2022. Um, and then I think, you know, in fact, uh, Brett Bielma is putting himself out there in different corners of the state, you know, doing, like you mentioned, the radio and, you know, calling every high school football <laughs> coach in the state. So it was just way too early to tell, but, I mean, that's – what the, this 2001 team accomplished, I mean, that's what, that's, that's the goal. That's what this, this team wants. All right, the biggest take we're going to offer on this uh, podcast comes right now because hopefully those of you saw Thursday's News Gazette sports section, you saw a photo of them in the paper. You also saw them last night on Twitter Wednesday night. Uh, let's get some hot takes about the new helmets that Illinois is going to wear. Scott, you're the designated uniform swag guy of this podcast. I do have probably more interest in that than is healthy. <laughs> um, what what are your what are your first impressions of these? What is this like? The I don't even know how many different helmets they've had in <laughs> since the 2001 team with the classic 1980s New York Giants italicized underline. They've had a, quite a few helmet concoctions since then. What, what's your take on the latest version? Yeah, I do like them. I mean, I like the the helmet stripe. Say it with confidence, Scott. Well, because there's a, there's a caveat. <laughs> the, the, the helmet stripe, I'm all for it. Okay. Uh, the fact that it is not a matte orange. Okay. Like, all we've seen so far is the orange mm-hmm. helmet that they'll wear Saturday against Nebraska. You know, just the the glossier, brighter orange it is a favorite. You know. The white face mask is. I like the white face. It is mask. classic. There you go. I'm I'm on board with that. My only issue with the helmets is they no longer match the jerseys. 
That and, could be a problem. And the jerseys I've like they've gone through a couple iterations uh, in like just in the Lovey Smith era, and I didn't like any of them. They look like Syracuse, yeah, or Virginia, and sometimes mm-hmm. Auburn. Yep. Um, so I mean that's that's an issue you get in when you share colors with other programs, but um, I know I need I needs to have something that is maybe just theirs. And I know that you know the uniforms will be updated, you know, here in you know, the next couple of years. But for now, it's a good helmet still. You know, blah uniform, and also please never wear the gray ones again. Yes, please retire. Just, those. I'm just going to put that out there. I, Basketball has managed to make people forget that that ever happened. I forgot. I, I forgot about that exactly. until you just mentioned it. They've n- I don't think they've ever worn them in the Brad Underwood era. Oh, the gray basketball uniforms, so bad. Oh, I forgot about those. And the, why did they do that? Because what was did, what do you think was worse, the gray basketball uniforms or the the very pronounced zigzags? That they had on the jerseys. It was all bad, and there's a reason. <laughs> you know, Illinois moved away from that as quickly as possible. You know, once Brad Underwood became the coach, because he, um, I think it's safe to say, hated it. And like, because they had all those zigzag graphics out, like, mm-hmm. on the walls in Ubin, ripped it off. <laughs> <laughs> he t- he has a bad practice over at Ubin, just just takes out his rage on on I the mean, on the posters. There's there. a reason that didn't last. So I mean, the helmets. It's a good step forward. Of course, it does have. Across the front and the bumper, I think mm-hmm. is what they call it. Family with two L's. I get what they're doing there. The the writer and grammar person in me like cringes <laughs> every time I see it. But it's it's unique at least. It's it does, it's not just. I think they had like what B one G in that yeah. bumper spot before. Um, step in the right direction. Still giving off some like major Syracuse vibes though. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. The the gray uniforms that they wear, they've worn for every homecoming game since 2014. Uh, it's interesting because from every coach that's been, because if Bielema continues tradition, that'll be four coaches that have coached Illinois in gray, the gray ghost uniform, which I've never understood because yes, that was Red Grange's nickname, but it's not like they wore gray uniforms. Anyway, uh, the players, I guess, really like it, and they seem to embrace it. It's different, and that's kind of the the thing you have to balance is, okay, do I want to appease the players or do I want to make Illinois look like Illinois on homecoming when, uh, let's face it, a lot more fans are going to watch the first quarter of an Illinois game or maybe be in attendance at Memorial Stadium because it's homecoming. Or is, what's the closest comparison to a gray football team off the top of my head? I I don't think there are any. Yeah, I don't think there are either. Um, there, that, I, there really aren't. I think there's a reason nobody uses just Nevada. Old I mean, like Nevada, Purdue. I think has. Well, again, why would Purdue do gray? I've seen they've used some gray. It's like I don't know, you have black and gold. I think that's probably pretty good. Um, like just, just don't, just don't do it. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, like you don't have to be Oregon, who has, I believe, currently like 100 different like permutations yeah. of helmet jersey pants that they can put out there. But find something. And I think this is <clears throat> that kind of Brett Bielma has he addressed it today in the Zoom, but um he wants something that's maybe uniquely Illinois. Yeah. Find whatever that is. Yeah, no. And I, maybe put it together as quickly as you can. All right, Scott. Uh we've touched on how hot it's gonna be, how important Saturday's game is going to be the obvious lengthy discussion involving uniforms and helmets. You want to make some season predictions for them? 
for Illinois? We made them in last Sunday's paper for the record. I'm already on record as Illinois going 5-7, and seven, which I think that's I – mean, obviously, I, I would be taking the over if I was a gambling man, which okay. I, I'm not. And also, if I was, I'm not sure it would be ethical to – What is the line? In three and a half. Three and a half. Okay. So I – who, who are those five they, wins coming against as we sit here two days before the opener? Well, I'm going to blow through our prediction that's coming at the end of the podcast. And <laughs> I'll tell you, Nebraska, I think, could be one. Homer. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's funny because I was on a radio show in Lincoln this morning, and they asked me to give a prediction. I said, gave Illinois. And then they cut you off the line. No. And I told them, like, I'll accept all you know, designations <laughs> as a homer. They're like, no, no, no. I was like, you know, but uh, my boss will make fun of me for it. So <laughs> I was uh, right. But, you know, I think they can beat Nebraska. Um, All right, there's one. One-sixth of the way to bowl eligibility. Well, with mine, they're not going to get there. Okay. Um, but I could be wrong. Right. I I think I've been wrong. Uh, obviously, uh, Scott and I, like every other human being on this planet, cannot predict the future. Yeah, wish I could. And also, uh wouldn't be using it to predict <laughs> all my football games. Then uh, Maryland. Okay, so so what you're telling me is, Brett Bielema and his first ever Illinois game, nationally televised, Fox kickoff, Fox big noon kickoff, beats Nebraska, the storied program that is that the Cornhuskers are, and then they lose to Texas San Antonio? That's what I'm telling you. It's giving me... A program that didn't exist until 10 years ago? They exist now. Okay. Um, but it's giving me some real Western Michigan vibes from... The Lovey Smith era. The Lovey Smith era, and mostly because I think UTSA. I mean, they have one of the best running backs in the country. He's got a sincere approach. That's, that's his name, Sincere McCormick. Um, yeah, I just I have a feeling, and I, I had a feeling you, about that are Western you the Black Eyed Peas. All of a sudden, yeah. Will I am. I had a feeling about that Western Michigan game, and I picked Western Michigan to win, and then they, I got booed. Got booed at the Esquire, Esquire and then I was right. Okay. All right. So, so one and one. Then you you're going to Charlottesville. I think they lose at Virginia. One and two. The wheels are starting to come off. They win at home against Maryland. Okay. Despite the fact that the game will kick off after 8 p.m. Is there a Ron Zook special teams mistake that helps Illinois win? That'd be kind of (laughs) funny. I don't know. I think just Maryland's in a – they're in kind of a similar place. Yeah. But it's just they're not what they used to be. And then I do think they win at Purdue because, like, all of that – Goodwill that Jeff Brom generated and mm-hmm. by winning early yep. has dissipated. Okay. They bring the cannon back. They bring it back. So that's, what, three and two? Three and two. Four and two. Okay. When they beat Charlotte. Where's the six? Why are they not getting six wins? Then? Well, because the back half of the schedule is okay. a little tougher. Because right. uh, Wisconsin comes back to Champaign feeling very vengeful from their last visit to Memorial Stadium. So they win. Okay, so they're what now? Four, four and, and three. three. Okay. And then four and four with a loss at Penn State. Okay. I mean, it's a ranked Penn State team. Yeah. Now, and I'm, I imagine they'll still be ranked at that point. Hard to predict. <laughs> All of this is. <laughs> um, and they beat Rutgers. Five and four. You just need one, one of the final three, and you're going to Detroit for Christmas. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would be going to Detroit for Christmas. Yeah. Well, let's... let's so does that influence, does that influence my selections? <laughs> you know, now that I think about it, it might have been in the back of my head. Um, but they beat 
What's that? I had them beating Rutgers. Was yep. that right? Yep. And then they lose at Minnesota. All right, five and five. They lose at Iowa because yeah, I was owned Illinois. Okay. And another team that's owned Illinois is North Northwestern. Western. And Northwestern, like that's where they can get that sixth win uh, because this Northwestern Northwestern team doesn't have the experience of Pat Fitzgerald's previous teams that have won. Um, so six and six is on the table. All right. Um, I'm going to be even more pessimistic than Scott. I put four and eight in, in last Saturday's paper. To me, the whole key for this season is I know there's a ton to talk about Brandon Peters as the starting quarterback again for the third season and what Chase Brown can do and what Isaiah Williams might bring at wide receiver. But the whole key to the season for Illinois is what Ryan Walters' defensive unit does because they've got a ton of players back from last season. But that defense last year, and I get it, it was an eight-game sample size. All against Big Ten teams, it was the worst defense in the Big Ten. So they need to make some drastic upgrades on that side of the ball if they want to improve upon last year's last place finish in the Big Ten West. So I've got them going 4-8. and eight. I got Nebraska winning. Spoiler alert for our picks for the first game. Uh, I got them beating UTSA to go to 1-1. One and one. Lose at Virginia, 1-2. and two. Rebound with a win against Maryland, 2-2. Two and two. Uh, I think... Jeff Brom continues his mastery of Illinois in games that aren't played in downpours. Um, <laughs> well, how do you know? It could, it could rain. It could. Like Dickens late on se- September. Late September, though. Eh, nah. So, go to West Lafayette. Illinois comes back with a loss. Two and three. Uh, beat Charlotte. Tough to take down the 49ers. It might not be. Yeah, the that's like the one game on Illinois' schedule. I think that's pretty much a lock. Uh, three and three there. Lose to Wisconsin in a homecoming close game, but Wisconsin gets it done at the end, three and four. Lose at Penn State, three and five. Rebound with a win against Rutgers. Art Satowski Bowl on uh, October 30th. That's here in Champaign, right? It is. Yes. So four and five, and then end the year with three straight losses at Minnesota, at Iowa, and at home against Northwestern. So I, again, this is like, of all the Illinois seasons of the past, I think this is arguably one of the most difficult to predict what's going to happen because for all of training camp reporters have been basically shut out which is a stark contrast to in the past so you can't really see what's been going on at practices you got a new coaching staff you've got a bunch of veteran players how do they mesh got a pretty difficult back half of the schedule as well again new schemes in place new coordinators it's always kind of a a tough transition as well i got four and eight yeah i think this season sets up as a really interesting experiment, and we're going to find out how big of an impact coaching and scheme have, mm-hmm. because this is the same roster that Lovey Smith had, yep. essentially. You know, Kendrick mm-hmm. Green's gone, Nate Hobbs is gone. Both other, in the NFL. So, yeah, a few other pieces, <laughs> not there, but by and large, same team that went 2-6. and six. We'll see if new coaches and a completely different scheme, just how different things will be. Uh, that's just, I am super curious about that. All right, what's your final thing? What's your what's your score for Saturday's game? Uh, 28 to 20. 28 to 20, Illinois, right? Yeah, don't expect a lot of scoring, mostly because I think, you know, Illinois will try and just milk the clock as much as possible. I think that'll be a, a year-long attempt. Uh, I got 31-21 Nebraska. I think Adrian Martinez, again, continues to mystify the Illinois defense like he has at multiple times in his college career and then afterwards scott frost is still not real 
energetic after a, the post-game remarks to reporters who body language doesn't really doesn't seem to care for them right now. But I guess he's maybe just zeroed in and zeroed in on week zero. All right, well, that's going to wrap up uh, episode 31 of Inside the Line of Football. We started this podcast back in early January, the beginning of the Brett Bielema era. It's kind of hard to believe that here we are and we actually get to see some real football, which is nice because all we've been doing for the past eight months is talking about and writing about and speculating about what exactly is going to happen. Come Saturday afternoon, we're finally going to have some answers. At least a few. At least a few. You can read all of our coverage in the News Gazette at alinehq.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.